Okay, well, I hope uh, the video did help you uh, just to get you to understand a little bit more about us and how the Lord has really led us up until this point. So thank you for your attention through the video. But now we want to just give you some um, further prayer requests. We'll give you some additional information and reiterate some things that have already been said as well, just so you can specifically pray for those things. Uh, we mentioned a lot about the community there near the end of the video. And we want to really impact the community. Of course, we, we want to do that with the gospel. And to do that, as we've said, we really need to get to know the language and the culture. So that we're putting it out there as a major prayer request, to learn the language. And we have started to do a little bit of that, um, just through in our own time. And we're beginning to understand already just how difficult that's going to be. So pray for a lot of grace. We need patience. We need help not only physically and mentally, but we need the spiritual help that's involved in that as well. We need to learn it quickly, and that is for the sake of getting out there into the community and to share the gospel. Maybe some of you might have looked at the video and you thought, well, you're using an interpreter uh, there when you're out there in previous trips. Why do you not just go and use the interpreter? Just skip uh, the language learning process. Well, um, I like to give the example um, of, if you would imagine... Someone coming to your own community here, the, the little subculture you have here in Balamina. You imagine someone coming to your door, maybe from Uganda, and you are into the conversation with them, and it's not too long into the conversation you realize that they don't know much of your language. They know how to say hello, thank you, and maybe goodbye. But they've been there for about two years, two or three years, and they still don't know how to speak to you. And they're making mistakes culturally. They're doing things inappropriately. Um, as they're even speaking to you. So you can imagine in that experience, you're not going to be the most accepting of that individual. If we're honest with ourselves, you're probably not going to be most receptive of them, let alone go to their place of worship where they say they are pastoring in that place. So we would expect someone to come to our own little culture here and expect them to learn our language and our, our culture. So it's no different for the missionary. When we go to a different country, we need to invest our time and efforts into learning the language. That's really priority number one. The mission board have even set that out to us in our first three years to go and to spend as much time as we can to learn that language. You say whenever I, I mention priority number one, you might think, well, is the gospel not priority number one? You're going out there as a missionary. But that's the point. Of course, it is, the gospel is priority. But unable to get that pure message of the gospel across the most beneficial um, way to the people is going to be in their heart language. So that again, reiterating that point, pray for us as we learn this language and even um, putting the challenge out there uh, to the people to hold us accountable to this. If I'm back here, God willing, after our first term, ask us, how did we get on with that language? Did you do it? Did you do what you said you were going to do? Hold us accountable. I don't mind that. That'll help us even uh, to do it. We also mention a lot about the community there, and maybe you're asking the question, what's the community like that we're going out to? Well, if you look online, there's going to be a lot of statistics on there as to what makes up that community. You'll find that it says there 84% roughly are Christian, and then 12% are Islamic. Well, you might think, well, if they're 84% Christian, then what's the need for missionaries? But you'll understand that under that Christian umbrella, there's a huge spectrum of differences even between the Christianity that's under that umbrella. Roman Catholicism falls under that. There's the charismatic movement, Pentecostal, 
the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, all of that is under that umbrella, and all of that is prevalent in Africa and in Uganda. So that even um, bears light to the community that we're going into. Um, if you think about the Emmanuel Christian Academy, if you go about a mile and a half up the road uh, to a little town called Chambala One, um, there's a mosque there. So just a mile and a half up the road, there's, there's a kind of Islamic community there. If you go another mile and a half down the road, you'll find that in Chambala Two, uh, there's a Roman Catholic church. So that's a little Catholic community. If you go the other direction, you'll find that in another village, there's little to no religion there whatsoever. So there's, a great, there's great diversity in terms of the community. And you can imagine then with that diversity, there's a great challenge for us to get out there into that community and to share the gospel and therefore a great responsibility for us to do that. So with that responsibility in the community, again, pray for us as we go out there. We want to impact, and God willing, we said, to even plant a church, and that's probably years down the line, but in order to get there, there's the learning of the language and there's the getting out into the community, trying to find out, well, where's the best place to do that, to plant that church. So pray for us, especially in that regard. Then you think of us as a family. You'll see there on the video, of course, you look at the Macaulay's and there's nothing special about the Macaulay's whatsoever. We're just a normal run-of-the-mill family. And people often ask us, well, how can we pray for you as a family? And there's many prayer requests that we could leave with you concerning us as a family. But I always put to the people, if you can imagine taking your children, a lot of you here have young children, if you can imagine taking your children to the mission field, or if, you've, or if you're grandparents, you can imagine your, your little grandparents going to the mission field or going to a whole new culture. Whatever's going through your mind, the anxieties, the thoughts, uh, the fears that you might have about health or about your children or whatever, uh, those are the same things that really would come into our minds as well. So already you, you know how to pray for us as a family. Um, we are just normal people. And we are a normal family. So all those thoughts that go through your mind, you just pray for us concerning those things as well. Well, of course, pray for us as a family. We, we mentioned there the verse at the end that we want to be light. And of course, as a family, we want to go. And this is a, really a preparation time for us uh, to prepare ourselves to be light. So pray for us in these preparation days. And even as we go to Uganda, we want to be an example to the Ugandans out there. This is what a Christian family looks like. We want to even be living examples of the word that we go to preach, really, in our family life. So pray for us concerning that as a family as well, that we would be united as a family. And then, of course, as a family, there is the prayer request of the house situation. You've maybe heard this already, but if we were to get on a plane, and that would be great if we could go just now to Uganda, we would love that. But if we went just now, we would actually have nowhere to live. Well, we could live in a tent, a six-man tent or something like that, but we would have no house. And so pray for the mission board. They're working through that. The, the house really um, is at the planning stage. And so pray for the mission board. Pray for the people out there in Uganda who's working through the legal side of things to get that planning permission passed. And then the building needs to happen and ready for us as we head out. So that's a very practical prayer request concerning our family. And then the thing about education always comes up. We're going to Emmanuel Christian Academy. So the question comes, are you going to send your children to that school? And to that we would say, yes, we are. Eventually, 
we're going to send them there. But initially, it's going to be homeschooling. We're going to homeschool. And when I say we are going to homeschool, I mainly mean Rachel is going to homeschool. I'll help when I can, but Rachel's going to take on the brunt of that work. And, you know, you see our children on there, and I, I hear the, the little awes coming from, from you, and you think butter wouldn't melt in their mouth. Well, I know my children. <laughs> and it's going to take a lot of grace and a lot of long-suffering and all the fruit of the Spirit, really, to, to educate our children. So pray for Rachel. Uh, she would admit she's not a teacher, she's not trained in that, so it's going to be a new experience for her and for all of us. Um, but we will eventually send them to the Emmanuel Christian School, um, but we will always be homeschooling and sending them to that school. It'll be both. Uh, of course, you can imagine we want to keep them up to date with the British curriculum here. If anything happens, we come home, they're able to integrate back in here again. So it's going to be a little bit of both. So those are the main prayer requests concerning our family. But then I would say pray for our extended family. And by that, I mean um, the team that we go out to join. So we're going out here and we're really a third unit um, joining an already existing team. Uh, so we have Mr. Kerskadden and his wife Rhonda and their three children and then of course Miss Noreen McAfee. So pray for them of course, their, their life is busy in ministry over there, there's any amount of ministries to be involved in so pray for them, but then pray for us as we join that team, um, especially that from the outset we'll be <coughs> gelled together in unity. You know, there's, there's many blessings come with going out and joining a team. You can understand why that might be. There's going to be fellowship, fellowship with others from your own culture as well. That's going to be, to be good for us. You think of being able to talk through how the work should progress and just even to talk through problems, issues that we might have, struggles. It's good to have that fellowship there as part of a team. But I don't need to tell you here or to remind you that just because we are called to Uganda as missionaries, just as the Kurskadans and Miss Noreen McAfee has been as well, it does not necessarily mean we're going to get along all of the time. I don't think that even has to be said. We all have different personalities, different sense of humours, different ideas maybe as to how the work should go forward, and different ideas even as to how we should raise our children. And that's all fine. But, you know, if you've ever experienced it, if you're in a little bubble... And maybe you're in close fellowship, close, close quarters with others for an extended time. Little things can become big things and be blown out of proportion. And we simply, the prayer, I'm just laying my heart out here, we don't want to be another statistic of family that, that has gone out to the field and had to come home because we simply couldn't get along with our team members. To pray especially that God would from the outset just gel us as a team together that the work would progress quickly because we are united in the one goal of getting Christ out there to that community we seek to serve. So pray for us and do pray for uh, Mr. Kerskadden and for, for Noreen as well as they continue in all the ministries that they're busy in. Remember the thing about the language, well Mr. Kerskadden's only been there for a few months so he's still in that language learning stage so pray for him. All these prayer requests I'm, I'm giving to you, you can still pray for him concerning those things. Then the question finally comes, well, when are you going to go? And God willing, of course, we have our plans, we have our desires when we would want to go. And to that we would say, hopefully, this summer. So at the end of this summer, God willing, 
will be able to go. Now, there's a lot of things have to happen, you can imagine. A lot of things have to take place first, and not least the deputations. So this is about, I think, number 14 out of about 60 of these deputations. And yes, I am beginning to tire listening to my own voice in that video. But pray for us as we go around these deputations. We, we do, um, we don't count it, or we count it as a privilege, as I've said in the, even before we showed the video. It's a privilege to be able to stand up and just to say how the Lord has led us. It is a privilege to go. Um, but we need the support of God's people behind us. And, uh, that's vital, Pre the prayerful support, but also the financial. So come May, there's going to be that decision made if the, the support has come in. So pray for coming close to that time that indeed the support has come and that we're able to go then in the summer. And of course, even if we're able to go, that we have that house uh, built ready to receive us too. So pray for all of these things. I'll, I'll leave the prayer request there and I'll throw them a lot at you very quickly there. But we do ask that you take them upon your heart. And if you want to stay updated with us while we're on the field, of course you know you can do that through the fpcmission.org on the website there. So fpcmission.org, you can register to receive emails. And um, I always encourage people, tick all the boxes under those emails, but especially ours, don't miss ours. And then you'll be able to stay updated to whatever um, updates we have there and of course there are the prayer cards as well do feel free to take them they're out there uh, take as many as you want have them in every room if you want as well just to remember to pray for us so do that and again we thank you for all your prayerful support up to this time but we do want to leave you with the lord's word and we want to leave you with something of an encouragement you know we are all saved i trust we're here we're saved tonight um, at this prayer meeting, but we're all saved to serve. And so I want to leave all of us with an encouragement from the Lord's Word, and it'll be no surprise if I turn you to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and the verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 1, the verse 12, and we'll read down to verse 17. First Timothy 1, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. With God's word read, let's just once again bow our heads please in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we bow humbly in your presence tonight. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to be here and to even have even that blessedness of opening your word and to be able to read it. And Lord, how we have it in our own language, we're able to read it. And even, Lord, you've given us great understanding of it. Lord, we're thankful for how you have sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world to die for sinners. 
And even for that testimony of Paul, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And Lord, really we could all take that testimony to ourselves. How wretched, how depraved we really are. How unworthy we are to even stand here tonight with a testimony. But yet, Lord, you came to seek and to save that which was lost. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us through your word. Thank you for your encouragement through it in the past. And we simply pray through the Holy Spirit that you would enable me tonight to preach. And to even give the people here an encouragement that they can take home with them for life and for their ministry. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So hopefully, again, you'll have noticed why I picked these six verses to read to you tonight. And of course, it's because, especially because of that verse 12. It's really what I would call the verse of my calling. It says there, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And I mentioned briefly on the video there what this verse really means to me. But what I want to do tonight is just to, in these closing moments of this meeting, just to bring those verses, those words to your attention in the hope that they will be an encouragement to you just as much as they have been for me over these years. There's two things especially I'd like to think about as we think of these words. And firstly, it's the fact that this is God's work that we're speaking of tonight. This is God's work and under this point, there really could be divided into two further subpoints. And first of all, with this being God's work, then it's his role to put people to work. It's God's role to put people to work within his ministry. If you look at 1 Timothy 1 and 12 there, at the end of the verse, it says, putting me into the ministry. So Paul is thanking the Lord Jesus Christ for putting him into the ministry. It's always been God's work to put people to work. If you think down throughout the, the centuries, down throughout history and all the way through scripture, you'll struggle to find any man or woman, a great man or woman of God, who ever came to the Lord and said, well, look at what I can do. Pick me. I'd do well in your ministry. You'll never find a great man of God ever saying that. Lord, pick me. You think of some of the examples throughout scripture. You think of Abraham there in that idolatrous, wicked nation. Abraham had no inclination of leaving his family or that nation behind. It was the Lord came to him, called him out of that people. It was the Lord who said to Abraham, I will make of thee a mighty nation. It was the Lord's doing. If you think of Moses, he said to Moses there at the burning bush, the Lord said to him, go to Pharaoh, tell him to let my people go. And Moses says, well, who am I? I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. Moses there immediately recognized his weakness, but yet the Lord was calling him out. If you think of Gideon as well, the Lord comes to him. He says, Gideon, I'm going to make you a general over the army, uh, the army of Israel, and you're going to fight against the enemy. And Gideon immediately recognizes, or who am I? I am the least of my father's house. Gideon recognizes his weakness, but yet the Lord calls him. You think of David as well, outminding the sheep, no inclination of becoming king, yet the Lord made him the king of Israel. You think of the disciples as well. You think of especially the man who penned these words in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul on the road to Damascus, persecuting the church, yet Christ meets him, saves him, and immediately puts him to service. It's Christ. So you see, none of those men that we've just thought about or any other man of God ever said to God, here you go, here's what I'm good at, here's what I think I should do for you. No, God simply just takes the man and he puts him to the ministry of his own choosing. 
And you know, it's still the same for us today. God will simply just take us and he'll put us to the service of his choice. Now, we might not understand, of course, why God would pick us to do some particular thing for him. But hopefully we'll come to see why, at least one reason why in just a moment. But at least with this realization tonight that it's God's work to put people to work. I wonder here tonight, are you willing then to just get before the Lord? Let me challenge you with this at least. Will you have the courage to come before the Lord, recognizing that it's him put you to the, to the task? Will you say to him, Lord, just show me what you have for me to do, whatever it is, wherever you'll have me to go, Lord, just show me. It's not to come to him with all that you can do, but simply, Lord, just show me what you want. And may the Lord be pleased to reveal that to you. But first of all, we recognize this. It's God's role to put us to work, but not only to put us to work. Notice secondly here under this first point. It's God's role to enable us in that work. You look at the beginning of the verse. It says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me. So flowing on from our last point where uh, we see it's God putting us to work, not so much, Lord, pick me, pick me, Lord, just simply put me. Now we see how the one who is put to work is able to be successful in that work. And it's not through the strength of his own or his own strength. It's through God's enabling power. You think of some of the examples I gave you there in the previous point. You think of Moses. comes to the Lord. He says, I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. What was the Lord's response to him? Exodus 4 and verse 11. He says, the Lord said unto him, who hath made man's mouth? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. So the excuse comes from Moses, Lord, I can't speak. And the Lord's reply, Moses, who made your mouth? Go, and I'll fill it. I'm able to do that. To Gideon, remember, Gideon says, I am the least of my father's house. The Lord says, I know. But he says, surely I will be with thee. It was the Lord's presence was going to make the difference in Gideon's life. You can go through the other examples as well. You think of Abraham, David, the disciples, and Paul here in 1 Timothy. You'll find one common ground with them all. These were lives that God used and enabled simply through his own power. It was nothing to do with the men. They all recognized their weaknesses, but it was God who called them. It was God who therefore enabled them to do what he tasked them to do. But they were weak men. And Hudson Taylor, that missionary to China, he had this statement. He says, all God's giants have been weak people. All God's giants have been weak people. And that's quite a statement. If you think of all the great men of God that have gone before, you think of all the biographies, all biographies that you've ever read. You think of the men in scripture as well. And you might see them as great men of God. But the truth of the matter is, as Hudson Taylor says, they've all been weak people. All of them. What Hudson Taylor's really stating there is he's just reiterating what is already said in scripture if you think of what Paul wrote there first Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26 those well-known verses first Corinthians chapter 1 and the verse 26 where it says therefore ye see your calling brethren how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. 
and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You see, again, just as Hudson Taylor said, all of God's giants have been weak people. Weak, foolish people. And for those of us who are involved in any line of work or ministry with the Lord, what a comfort that actually is for us. Because we know the truth that when we are weak, then he is strong. And that's really where we get our power from. It's nothing to do with us. And so then, for this, as we see God's work, the first thing we must do is to look past ourselves and get to him. Always get to him. And I alluded to it there in the presentation in that video. My biggest problem initially was that I couldn't look past myself. When I got that verse in 1 Timothy 1 and 12, um, I looked at that. All I could see was that word ministry. And I said to myself, well, I can't. It's all about me. I can't do it. That's not me. And that wasn't out of any kind of sense of humility, whether it was false or otherwise. That was just a fact. It was the truth of the matter. I just couldn't do it. And all I could see was that word ministry. And so it filled me full of fear. It's just not me. It took me a long time to get what the Lord was actually saying to me in that verse. Finally, I came to the conclusion, well, this verse has nothing to do with me. It's not about me, how I feel. Feelings don't come into this when we're thinking about God's work. How we feel that we can do it, we can't. But the truth is, he can. And that's where we must get ourselves to. And therefore, I suggest to you, if God is challenging you, to do something for him. And maybe it is that there's someone here. I can't help but think that in this, this kind of a meeting. There's someone here and they feel just as I felt. God's maybe challenging them to do something. And they're thinking I can't. Well amen. You're halfway there. You can't. But don't just stay there in that kind of hopeless state. Trust. Get to the one who can. And therefore go and do what he's asked you to do. Trust in his enabling power. The very thing that every great man or God of God or great woman of God before you has relied on, the enabling power of God to fit you for service to the very thing that he is calling you to. Get there. And so we think here in this first point, let me just repeat, it is God's work and it's God's role then in that work to put people to work and then to enable them within that work. But finally, what's our response to, to all of this? Well, again, this point could be under two headings. And first of all, our response should be that of faithfulness. You look at the verse again. It says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful. So Paul was counted faithful, and he's thanking God for that. And that faithfulness of Paul was not just because the work that he was involved in made it easy for him to be faithful. You know, when you look into the life of Paul uh, post-conversion as a missionary, you will see that Paul's life was anything but easy, but yet he was still faithful. If you look at First or Second Corinthians chapter 11, we have that list, of course, of things that Paul went through in his ministry in verse 24 of Second Corinthians chapter 11. It says there of the Jews... Five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren, 
in weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is offended? Sorry. Who is offended? And I burn not. If you think of not only those words, but if you go into chapter 10, you'll find those false apostles coming to, to discredit Paul's ministry. They're saying to him there in chapter 10, well, you look at Paul, yes, his letters are powerful, they're weighty, but look at him, he's weak. You listen to him speaking, his speech is contemptible. There's nothing interesting about the man Paul. Why would you follow Paul? So Paul clearly did not have it easy in his life as a missionary. Yes, there was many blessings, but there was also many a discouragement as well. But regardless of what others thought of him, and regardless of what he had to go through as a missionary, what was the Lord's opinion of Paul? That's really the only one that counts in the end. Paul was faithful. That's all that mattered. And for this, Paul was truly thankful. I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, for counting me faithful. And of course, that's really what we all want. And standing before the Lord, when we stand before him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we want when we stand before him. And the proof that Paul was counted faithful is evidenced in the fact that God simply just kept him in the ministry, kept putting him to work. And can I just interject here with another prayer request as I mention that? Simply just to pray with us that we would also remain faithful as we go to Uganda. Uh, the question's been put to, to me a couple of times. Um, what's your biggest fear as you go to Uganda? And really, the biggest fear is what we've been thinking about here. We've been thinking about Paul's faithfulness towards God. And my fear is that we leave off being faithful to him and simply to begin relying on self. And, you know, you've seen the video. We thank God for all the experiences that we've experienced up until now going to Papua New Guinea, Kenya for the training in New Tribes and for training in Whitfield and all their experiences throughout. We're thankful for all of that. But the fear is that we begin to rely on those things, which ultimately, if we begin to rely on self and just the knowledge that we have in our heads and the experience, we'll end up coming home. We'll end up out of the ministry. So I ask you to pray with us that we would ever be counted faithful as we go, to ever rely on him, Never to look back to ourselves, but to always look to Christ, that we would, like Paul, be counted faithful. And therefore, the Lord will simply keep us in that work. But back to the message here, and with the recognition that we're put to work in areas that we may feel weak in. What do we do with that? Well, simply take your eyes off self and trust in him. Be faithful. You might ask, well, be faithful in what? Well, what has God set in front of you to do already? You think of a church like this, what are the many ministries that God has set before you? Maybe they're just little things that you can do for him, but there the door's open. Simply, I would say to you, be faithful in those things. Go do it. And you'll find that as you're faithful in those little things, God keeps asking you to push the boat out a little bit further like he did with Paul. Remember Paul there at the Sea of Galilee, Christ asked him, let me into your boat. Paul receives Christ into the boat. Christ asked him, push it a little bit further out. Paul obliges. And then finally, go out into the deep. 
And Paul does it and brings in the great draft of fish. But simply, where do you start? You start with the little things. That's how it started with me. God didn't initially come to me and say, David, I'm choosing you to be a missionary. Go to Uganda. No, he was asking me to be faithful. Faithful in what? Just the little things that he had set before me at that point of time. So if you're asking yourself, well, how do I start on this journey? I know that God's asking me to do something. So what do I do in the time of waiting? See what God has for you. Do that and see how he continues to enable you and continue to open the door and only God knows where he will have you in the end. But be faithful. Simply trust is the exhortation here. But finally, you'll see in our final point, it all turns to this thankfulness and praise. This is our response to all of this. Right there at the beginning of the verse, it says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, for putting me into the ministry, for enabling me to be in it, and for counting me faithful. It all turns to a note of praise and thanksgiving. And what really is that but worship? Paul is here worshiping the Lord for all that he has done for him. We see here in these verses, really it's a testimony of Paul. See that in verse 15, where it says, This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And it all leads to that verse in 17. Now on to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So with this recognition that Christ has saved him, that Christ has called him into service and is enabling him to be there, Paul is simply overcome with the privileged position that he finds himself in and he glorifies God. He thanks God for where he is. In Christ. And I would say to you, there's no better place to be than to be found in the center of that well. To be found in Christ, first and foremost, but then to be found in the center of his will in terms of service. And simply, Paul sees that where he is and he worships. I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord. I thank the one who is eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. And all glory and honor goes to him. So with all of this being said, I trust you see why I love to dwell on this verse and why I thank God for it. And I do say that I probably wouldn't be standing up here today if the Lord had not given me this verse to dwell in. And I thank him for it, not only because of what it means to me, but I trust as we go around these deputations, I want it also to be an encouragement to you folk here as well. Of course, as I mentioned, I can't help but think that there's people in meetings such as this, who feel just as I felt as the Lord was calling me out to enter the ministry. Maybe that word ministry fills you full of fear, uh, full of dread. But yet once you understand what the Lord says through this verse, I believe the Lord takes that fear, he takes that dread and it's out the window. He replaces it with confidence and with hope that if he calls, he will enable. He'll give you the strength that you need through him, what does he ask of us? Simply just to trust him. To trust in what he's doing. And then to go and do what he asks of us. So may, may we all here tonight know exactly what part to play, uh, what part we have to play in this great work of making his name known. And just as we sit down, can I once again just thank you for the part that you play in sending us out to Uganda. You do go with us in your prayers. We don't take that for granted. And we simply pray and return that God will bless you 
for your efforts here as well. So thank you for your attention and God bless you.